Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, and for an introductory thought, I think I've observed this. The reality is marriage proposals in the present season are getting more complicated. That's just my perception. Is it true? Like, this seemed to be... I was talking to a friend of mine whose son was going to propose uh, to, you know, going to be her, his fiancé, and he was describing the plan his son had to ask her to marry him, and it actually reminded me of, like, a football play. It was that, it seemed that complicated. It involved certain people traveling to this location, and they were all going to travel down to Indianapolis. There was an intricate, an intricate plan. It involved, like, most of the family, like, okay, now you're going to go here, and then we're going to take her here, and then they're going to be at this restaurant, and then we'll be downtown Indianapolis. And then, so after this happens, we're going to come around this corner, and then you're going to come in, and then she's going to say, what are you guys doing here? And it, it was really quite... Have you, have you heard of any of these? Or is this just... Are they or not? It feels like it. No? Yes? Is this just my world? Another thing that I think has increased in complexity uh, is the uh, uh, new baby gender reveal thing. I saw a Facebook post the other day, and the gender reveal involved a pinata. You break, so it was like, the, it was like everybody was gathered around, and you break the pinata, and then the baby boy falls out. No, that's not it. <laughs> that'd make it, that'd go viral, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, plop. <laughs> okay. But it was really complicated and swinging and all those. All right. So, but it feels like it's gotten more complicated. And then I had two thoughts. My first thought is way back when, when I was in that season of life, I must have just been really lame. Because, like, my proposal to my wife, I thought it was special, but it was nothing compared to the football play that you have to do now to apparently do it well. And then our gender revealed to, like, family when, when we had three kids were basically, hey, we're pregnant. Probably going to be a boy. That's it. You know, you want a hot dog? Yeah. Okay, thanks. It's just... just this is crazy. So that's my one thought. But the other idea is, and I think we can probably agree on this, special moments, this will come on the screen, special moments for special people deserve extra effort. I think if you apply to those things, it is kind of cool when those people are important or that situation is important and you put a little extra time and energy into making it special. Can you agree? Somebody like that's a good Thing. And where we're going to head today is, I would argue that we can do that same thing, extra effort for special situations and especially for a special God that we serve. Every once in a while, if not often, 
we could, should, ought to do special things, put extra effort into honoring God. And there are several places in the Bible where I think God takes note of people who did extra effort type things to worship or honor him. In 2 Samuel 6, 14, they were bringing a box called the Ark of God into the city. And uh, by the way, the box was a big deal. It not just represented the presence of God, but there was supernatural power associated with this box. And it says, as they're bringing it into town, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, extra effort. And by the way, it, when they brought it to town, there were shouts and there were sounds of trumpets. And if you take some time to look at it, it looked like a fairly organized parade of activity. Every, this is, uh, was noticeable to me, every six steps in this movement of bringing the ark into the city, they would stop and do a sacrifice. It was a big deal. So that's an example. I thought of in Genesis chapter 22, there's a man named Abraham who God tested by asking him, will you sacrifice your son for me? And ultimately, God intervened and did not have him sacrifice his son. But part of that account says that Abraham had to cut wood, then he had to set out on a journey to this place that God told him to go, and it was a three-day journey into the wilderness just to do this God-honoring, he didn't end up sacrificing his son, but this God-honoring moment. Take a three-day journey into the wilderness, carrying firewood, that's extra effort. In the New Testament, Jesus says of uh, a woman who puts some extra effort into worshiping him, he actually says of her that the story of her is going to get shared throughout the generations. It's a woman who comes and she uh, pours perfume on Jesus' feet. In another gospel, it's on his head. And she basically had to navigate a crowd. She had to push through criticism and then pour this expensive perfume on Jesus uh, the Bible says that it was worth about a year's wages. So minimally, that's a sacrifice. How much money did you make this last year? <laughs> Spend all that on a bottle of perfume and pour it on someone's head. That's a sacrifice. That's extra effort. So hold those thoughts. We're kicking off just a two-week Christmas series called Worship the King. And the idea is Christmas is coming and it is special. It's a time where we remember God sending Jesus, right, to be our, to navigate life, end up on the cross, rise from the grave for our salvation. And so, for at least the next couple weeks, I'm going to explore how we might honor God, maybe put a little more extra effort into. Uh, Christmas. And by the way, when I talk about that, I'm not, I shouldn't have said put extra effort into Christmas. You can put extra effort into Christmas and actually not worship God any more than you did any other year. Does, does that make sense? Not all Christmas, not all Christmas activities have a ton to do with God. Is that, do I have to explain that? Oh, so I'm not, 
And I'm not saying you can't have your Christmas traditions, but I would argue, let's be more sensitive this year and make sure we're doing things that are directly connected with Christ. Um, so today we're going to explore, I think it's my favorite extra effort Christmas story, and it's story of the Magi, traditionally, uh, it's the Three Kings story in Matthew chapter 2. <clears throat> I don't think I need to set the stage. I may not even have to read it because we've, most of us have heard this story so many times associated with Christmas, but we're going to read it anyway. Got it? Matthew 2 verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, I'll pause there for a minute. This King Herod guy is a egotistical, arguably, uh, what's a good word? Crazy man. Yeah. So when it says he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him, is that what it said? And all Jerusalem? Where are we? Yeah, in all Jerusalem. The reason that the people were disturbed is because Herod was not well balanced. And if he got disturbed, he would do disturbing things. Like this guy, there was record of him massacring, killing people, kind of on a whim. So if he got upset, the whole city was like, oh no, this could be a bad day. Because he was kind of a crazy king. It's just kind of the way he operated. And all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, in Bethlehem, in Judea. For this is what the prophet has written. Let's bounce to verse 7. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. If you have a Bible there, just write out to the side, Liar, that is not his plan. Okay? Because he's a crazy guy and he wants to be the king forever. He's trying to track down Jesus so he can kill him. After they had heard the king, they were back to the Magi. They went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is that 
captivating Christmas moment that every time I did this last service, I just came to my brain. Every time, I don't think that's an exaggeration, every time I read the story, I think of children doing a Christmas play, and I personally think of back in elementary school when his name was Mark Gerald, and he was an older classman. I was always afraid of him. Anybody have anybody like who was older in your school that, no, that was just me? Like he was always a scary upperclassman dude. But he had a part in the Christmas pageant thing. He was one of the three kings. And I just remember Mark Gerald, his big line in the Christmas pageant was, right, he came in with a towel on his head and his dad's bathrobe. Are you guys not with me at all? Have you not been, right? And he came on the gym floor at Hoagland Elementary School, and his line was this, gold. That's what he did. Because he was one of, okay. That was, that was, I just still, every time I read the story, I think of that. Okay. They opened their treasures and presented them a gift of, gifts of gold. And then somebody else said, frankincense. And somebody else said, myrrh. Okay. And having, then the magi, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Okay. Title of the talk is, King's honor the newborn king. And my hope is to explore two activities that these magi did that we can do today that I think they're little extra effort things that can totally honor God in the Christmas season. So let me pray and I'll give you these ideas. Father, a lot of us, I do, I want to honor you this Christmas. And uh, so will you show us a few practical things that we can do? I pray that way more than I would speak, Lord, would you talk to us just as individuals, show us things we can do to honor you and to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Two concepts from this text. First one is this. Magi worship included movement in unclear circumstances. And if you have a handout, you can... Write that down. Movement in unclear circumstances. In verse 1 and 2, it says, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? They don't know. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. A lot of this story, and even though there's great activity with the Magi, the details are unclear. This is what we're going to focus on. The details are unclear, and yet they still went and did it. If you happen to be a person back in this day and the Magi came to town, you really could have an interaction, something like this. First of all, if you picture, I picture the traditional image of the, you know, the, the Magi on camels. It's probably not a bad image. They would have had to travel uh, quite a distance. Scholars estimate that this whole journey of the Magi would have taken somewhere between 50 to 60 days. So this was not just Christmas Eve, but... <laughs> They get up and, you know, go across the street to worship Jesus. It would have been quite a journey with staying overnight, all those kind of things. 
So if they came to town and you got to interact with them, the interaction could go something like this. Well, hi, camel-riding magi dudes. Where are you headed? And they would have said, west-ish, because they were coming from, they would have said west. And if you would have said, could you be more specific? They would have said, no. Because that's just, they're just headed in a direction. So then that's why they're asking some of the wiser people. Do you, and they said, well, we're looking for the king of the Jews. And those people could have said, do you have a name? No. We don't, we don't know who, no. But we're looking if you'd ask them, why are you on this journey? Now, by the way, this was an estimated 500 miles, and again, sleeping in tents. They don't have a map, as best we can tell. Do you have a map? No. Any documentation? Maybe not. Did you happen to see an angel? Like some of the Bible stories is an angel comes and they say, you go here and do this. There's not even record that they had an angelic visitation to go do this. So if you'd ask them, so what do you have to go on? We got a star. That's like, that's it. We somebody in the room just said something like star. Anyway, so that's all they had. Now, two thoughts. One is it feels a little bit crazy, but the other side of this is it feels a little bit faithful. It just feels like we're going to do the best we can, and we know that this is the direction God wants us to go, and we're going to do it. I have heard for years a, a, a definition of faithfulness that I think is worth interjecting here. It'll come up on the screen. Faithfulness is acting on the light that we have and desiring more light, if that makes sense. It's just... Well, I know this much, and so I'm going to do this much and hope and wish and pray and want for more direction as I go. A way you can put it down in a fill-in-the-blank regarding the Magi is this. The Magi had the light of a star and a heart to pursue. Magi had a light, had the light of a star, and a heart to pursue. And I would argue there are not things, there are not many things that are more special to God than that. I think for those of us that are following Jesus, we can admit that following Jesus is not always perfectly clear in direction. So when we become Christians, a lot of us had an experience where we got saved, where we responded to the gospel, came forward at a church service, or you knelt down with someone, or maybe by yourself, and you committed your life to Christ. How many you know when we do that, we don't really know what that's going to look, or at least I didn't know really what that's going to look like, you know, the next Wednesday. When I became a Christian, I didn't know other than I had an urging, and I knew that I was supposed to. I went up in front of a church service, I, I went up and I knelt down. I wasn't even sure what I was doing there, but I knew I was supposed to be there, and I ended up praying, and I prayed, and it changed my life. But I didn't know what was coming after that. 
And then we oftentimes decide, well, I'm going to start having time with God. And I'll start reading my Bible. And we go, well, where do I start? And we don't, we don't know. And we start reading it, and some of it makes sense, and some of it doesn't make sense. And maybe some people say, well, start here. And then you get to some of those chapters that have names that no one should name their children. There should not be a name in the universe with that many letters in it. And, but you get there, and you don't know how to navigate that. Or you come to hard parts of the Bible where you see the judgment of God, and you think, that's not fair, that God just... So we don't know. It's part of the Christian walk is you don't know, you don't quite understand everything, but you keep moving anyway. And then a lot of times, the farther we go, the more insight that we get. I thought about just recently, because a lot of you know that we started a community center uh, as just part of the ministry of the church. And I still remember having conversations with people and say, oh, we're starting a community center. What's it going to be like? And our answer would be like, it's going to be like a community center. <laughs> yeah, what are we going to do? Community center things. And we had some direction. I'm so glad to be connected to Pastor Kathy and that team of like 50 or 60 or 70 people because we're leaning in and yes, we sort of have a plan, but at the same time, we're just constantly getting a little more light, figuring out how to do it a little better. And that's the walk with God and I think God loves it. It's not just the bigger community center, start a community center. My notes I have, it's the nitty gritty spiritual details. It's when God says, I want you to go ask forgiveness for that person. And you go, I don't know what that's going to turn out like, but you just do it anyway. Or you invite that one person over for dinner. And you're not sure they'll say yes or no, or you're going to go get coffee, or you're going to invite somebody to Christmas, and you're like, I don't know how that's going to work, and, but you do it anyway. There's an important verse in 1 Corinthians 13. I'm reading it from the New Living Translation. And it says, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, talking about the future, and I think emphasizing eternity, then we'll see everything with perfect clarity. When we get to heaven, we'll be able to look back, and everything will be perfectly clear. What we should have done, shouldn't done, should not do how God was working. But right now, it's kind of fuzzy. One translation used to say, but now we, through, we see through a glass dimly. And when that was written uh, 2,000 years ago, glass back then was not glass like we have now in the windshield of your car, where you can see through clearly. Glass back then was, you know, distorted, fuzzy and and you could see through and you could kind of see and you go, oh, wait, there's a person at my door. But arguably, you wouldn't even have known who, to, who it was because it was just, just does that make any sense? Just not the same. And a lot of times, that's our perception and understanding of God's will today is you, you kind of know but all the details are not just there. So let's bring this into the room for the practical challenge. When was the last time I responded to God's blurry direction? 
I don't know if I really love that fill in the blank, because I think God wants to give us more clarity, but a lot of times it's just blurry. And the, of course, the idea for this Christmas is just do it. Give it a try. Pray the prayer. Do the, do the random act of kindness. Invite them. Give that thing. Do that, whatever it is. And I, I don't say this very often, guarantee. I think I'll say it. <laughs> I guarantee those are the kind of things, those little extra effort moments, God loves that when we do it. So, Magi worship included movement in unclear circumstances. And one more point. Magi worship included money toward God's plan. Money toward God's plan. Now, for those of you in the room or online, you're thinking, oh, great, some pastor's going to talk about money. That's all they talk about is money. I mean, we, do not, we don't talk about money very often. And if you want to disconnect for the next hour and a half while I talk about money, you're welcome to do that. I'm not doing it. And, and, I, and that's okay. Um, but I can't get over the fact that in the story, right, they go through this 500-mile journey, takes 50 to 60 days to just get to the presence of Jesus. And basically they do two things. It all culminates in the verse, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they did two things. They bowed down and worshiped. How important is that? And the second thing is they presented him with gifts of, you say it, thank you, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Those two things. And I'm going to make a little argument for the most significant thing they did, although the bowing down in worship was important, the most significant thing they did was probably they brought valuables and treasures and gave them to Jesus. Here's why. If you read the rest of the story, we got to verse 12, I think, in what we read. If you go to verse 13, here's what's going to happen. Do we have that verse 13 where it says, am I all out of order? Matthew, oh, Matthew 2.13 says, when they had gone, so that's the Magi. They've, they've, they've worshipped and they've done the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And then they leave. And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. By the way, that little direction there, the angel comes and says, you're going to have to now get up, travel, uh, 430 miles to Egypt, and you've got to stay there until I tell you, because Herod, the crazy guy we talked about at the beginning, is going to search for the child to kill him. So they're going to move, after the Magi were there, on kind of a three-year, estimated three-year adventure while they're beyond the run. So here's the idea. This is the fill-in-the-blank. The Magi's gifts financed a chunk of the gospel, a chunk of the story of Jesus. By the way, that's the longest fill-in-the-blank we've had this year, I think. I'll give you time. The Magi's gifts financed a chunk of the gospel. It's probably a three, scholars say they probably had to stay in Egypt for three years. Now, 
I may not have connected this well. But if you're Mary and Joseph, and you're already kind of out of your element, and then an angel of the Lord says, now you got to run from this place and stay not in your home. you got to go to Egypt. What's one of the first things I would think of if I'm Joseph would be, how in the world am I going to feed my new baby? How am I going to take care of my wife? How am I going to live for who knows how long in a city that I don't know? And the answer is... You're right. That's the answer. Go. Now, we don't know exactly what they did with these gifts. Okay? Just to be clear. The Bible doesn't say what they did. Um, but all of these gifts are valuable. In fact, gold was the uh, high-value currency of the day. little side note. Chances are, when they offered them gold or perhaps all three of these elements, Mary and Joseph, because of their socioeconomic situation, had probably never held gold in their hands their entire life. Isn't that kind of cool? Like they'd never, they had had coins, but never gold anything. But I wonder how many times as they had to go on this adventure for God, and not just through this three years, but as they raised Jesus and all of this. I wonder how many times they looked back and thought, that was nice when the Magi bowed down and worshipped. But I wonder how many more times they said, praise God for the gifts that they brought so that we can get through this time. Does that make sense? So to bring this in the room, where do we go from here? Again, talking about Christmas and extra effort. This will come up on the screen. Don't forget the value of financially supporting the story of God. That's it. So this Christmas... I am encouraging you, if you're a follower of Jesus, give him an offering just with him in mind. Find a ministry, give it to the vineyard. If you don't trust us here at the vineyard, give, find some place, some ministry that's going to do something great for God, part of the gospel story somewhere, and give him a gift. And when you're giving the gift, great or small, whatever it is, be thinking, God, this is a Christmas gift to you. I want to help you impact the world the way you want to impact the world. It is a great thing that we can do. It may take some extra effort. It might be a sacrifice. In fact, it probably will be and should be. But what a great way to worship God. Last fill in the blank. Prioritize a gift to Christ this Christmas. And as we finish our time, yesterday in my preparation, I felt like uh, the, the Lord wanted to encourage some of you uh, and just say to you, thank you so much for your consistent faithfulness in giving finances to the work of God. I know some of you have been, uh, you know, tithing for years and giving generously beyond a tithe for years, to all different kinds of ministry. And I want to encourage you, God sees that. 
And I would argue that God takes note of people who are, are uh, offering finances because the gospel, in some ways, is not over. He's still trying to reach people. He's still trying to send his son, Jesus. Not, he's already sent him to die on the cross, but he's trying to send him out into the hearts of people. So way to go, church. It's just a real practical thing we can do. So just to recap, Magi worship included movement in unclear, unclear circumstances and money towards God's plan. Why are you leaving? You think I'm done? You think I'm done? I'm just going to start calling out people who leave early. So now the best part of the message is yet to come, but you're going to miss it. See you, Liz. We, <laughs> sorry. And for those of you online, if you, if you click out now, you are in big trouble because the best stuff is coming. No, we have a few people that serve on different teams. If you ever wondered why they get... And so to get ready for what happens right after they leave. But it makes me a little mad because I, maybe I have something really important to say. Okay, never mind. What? <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a closing prayer. By the way, before we pray, Chris, the Christmas season, and it may not have to do with the season, but the Christmas season can be challenging for some of us. You may have a Christmas gathering coming up. And even with the complexity of COVID, maybe more so. It's even more challenging this year. You've got decisions to make on how you're going to do this or that. Or, you know, that one side of the family is real angry about this. <laughs> Whatever. If you've got a situation physically, financially, spiritually, relationally, that's not going so well, we have a t team of people that will be over here. And they'll take two or three or a few minutes and they'll just pray. And you never know when a time of prayer can really, really change a situation. So make sure you consider that. Let's close. God, a lot of us, I think a lot of us uh, really want to honor you this Christmas. So as we move into the next few weeks, we hope you feel loved. And when we do those little extra things, God, we just say to you now, those are for you. You are surely worth every bit of effort we can put into worshiping you. And I thank you for your scripture. I thank you for these examples of the Magi. Thank you for your word. And I thank, Lord, thank you for talking to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.